Bobby Westside's Vital and Coffee. Bobby Westside's Vital and Coffee. Bobby Westside's Vital and Coffee. You know, this is a damn fine cup of coffee. Hello and welcome to Bobby Westside's Vinyl and Coffee, the podcast where I, Bobby Westside, your friendly neighbor rock star, pontificates about music, sometimes on vinyl, but always while drinking a damn good cup of coffee. To join me today, I have once again my band members Salvador Wheelie and Roland Torrance. How are you guys doing today? Just dandy. Really enjoying this coffee. It is a damn fine cup of coffee. So today we're drinking Kona Mountain Coffee. And uh, Roland, you actually got this coffee for us. Uh, tell us a bit about its backstory and how you how it came into your possession. So I was on vacation. Uh, recently went to Honolulu and uh, Waikiki and the first morning we were there the first full day we went to brunch um, and this was the coffee they were serving uh, right from uh, Mauna Loa the mountains and Kona Mountain coffee it's it's excellent stuff and I was just blown away by this coffee so I had to buy it and luckily they were selling it right next door Okay, so this coffee comes directly from Hawaii. Yes, I, I bought it in Hawaii and brought it back with me in my suitcase. Nice. That is awesome. Did you have to clear that through customs? Nope, I did not. It's is there in the a United States, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really do ask you questions about, um, like, like, they have this really strict policy when you enter Hawaii. Uh-huh. You have to fill out a form on the plane about if you're bringing any agricultural products or anything. Yeah, that's not customs though. No, no, it's just, they're just really strict in Hawaii. Also Salvador, that's the joke. <laughs> Sorry. Womp, womp. I thought you were serious. No, I should have known you were doing a bit. I'm always doing a bit. I'm rarely serious. Okay. So getting into music news. So I mentioned to this guys, uh, I mentioned this to you guys before we're going to talk about, uh, so billboard recently released, and I know this through the gram, uh, their top 50 breakup songs of all time. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys, I'm not, we're not going to go through the full list. If you guys want to know, let me know, uh, any, any part of the 50, but we're going to specifically focus on the top 10. So I'm going to give you numbers, uh, 10 through six. And I want to see if you guys can guess what would make up the top five. So, Coming in at number 10, Olivia Rodrigo, Driver's License. Number nine, The Beatles, Yesterday. Number eight, Adele, Someone Like You. Number seven, Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. And number six, Alanis Morissette, You Oughta Know. So based on that, what do you think the top five uh, uh, heartbreak songs of all time, or breakup songs of all time, according to Billboard, are? Numbers one through five. Well, You Oughta Know was considered one of the greatest... I mean, that whole album was a breakup album. Yes, about that one guy from that one show. <laughs> from Full Maybe. House. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Allegedly. 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 So you just read a six through ten? Yeah, Reggie's... And, and, and we're supposed to guess one through five? Yes, yeah, one through five. And uh, uh, I, can, I can look up, if you guys want to know about... I Will Survive. The, I Will Survive is gonna has got to be number one. Yeah. Nope, not on the top five. What? You have got to be kidding me. This, this, no, this, this list is uh, immediately awful, and I don't, it's not credible. I I'm going to tell it. you, the top five, mostly newer songs. Oh, I'm not going to know that. <laughs> it's not How, why not? It's like, yeah. Sal, you're 24. How do you not know that? <laughs> uh, there is a song that's... I was that's, 24, 24 years ago. Uh, there's a song by uh, Whitney Houston on there. I'll, I'll give you that. Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Are you sure it's by Whitney Houston or is it by somebody else? It's, I mean, I don't know who originally sang it, but it says Whitney. It's credited to Whitney Houston. All right. What's the title? It's the So number five is I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston. Oh, okay. As you're going to do I Will Always Love You. That's Dolly Parton. 
Yeah, I mean, that's not really a breakup song either. You're talking Spartacus here, uh, <laughs> but yes, it's "I Have Nothing" by Whitney Houston. So, uh, so number one, I'll give you a hint: is uh, probably is a very recent song, and it's by probably the uh, I've referred to her as like uh, the voice of the millennial generation. Previously on a podcast that you guys have both been on, Halsey. Nope. Taylor Swift. It is Taylor Swift <laughs> with her song All Too Well. I yeah, I don't know that song. Did so, did sorry. she fly in a private jet to go from the studio to the Starbucks down the street? Actually, yes, yeah, she did. Okay. And then she wrote this song. And, and then she like weirdly enough, she did like a couple of laps around that Starbucks. I don't know why she did that. She didn't have to. Why not? Uh, you know, probably someone else's some probably some uh, billionaire corporation was uh, or billion dollar corporation was uh was in the parking spy space, and that's why she had to wrap her jet around a couple of times. That makes sense. Uh, so it's the song All Too Well, which allegedly, I don't know if she said this uh, outright, it's, by, it's about Jake Gyllenhaal and their uh, breakup uh, from like 2010. I forgot she dated him. She's dated a lot of people. She has. <laughs> Can't keep track of him. That's why she's such a great songwriter, because she dates around a lot. And that's not, that's that's not shame. Because uh, you really just for to be a good songwriter, you just need life experience. Yeah, well, no, and and I say this: Taylor Swift writes incredibly catchy pop music. Great, like, and I respect that. <laughs> all too well, I think it's like a ten-minute song, and it doesn't feel like it's ten minutes. And it's a really good music video. The redhead from Stranger Things is in it, Sadie Sink. Uh, she plays essentially in the story. She plays like a version of Taylor Swift. Uh, so, you know, she's dating somebody, she's like 19 in the video and she's dating somebody in their thirties. They go through a, a terrible breakup and then she writes a book called all too well. So, you know, she, uh, in the, in the music video, which was directed by Taylor Swift, uh, at the end of it, uh, the 30 year old version of, of that character that Sadie Sink plays, uh, grows up to be Taylor Swift. So somehow in 10 years, she's going to, she's going to grow a foot taller. And I think that's the most baffling part about that music video. So, uh, Tegan and Sarah in the top 10. No. No Tegan and okay, Sarah. Okay, The Con was considered the ultimate breakup album of the decade. I, but was it a Billboard hit? Because you got to remember, this, is, this list is coming from Billboard, dude. Well, I Will Survive certainly was a hit, and I can't yeah, believe that's I can't, not in the like, top 10. Most of these are where, more okay, recent where artists. Where does I Will Survive? This is going to make me mad. Like, okay. Rolling Stone's lists... Hey, can, can can I have a moment here to just go in on Rolling Stone? Do it. I guess. Do you remember that Rolling Stone 100 Greatest Drummers of All Time list that didn't have Bill Ward, that didn't have Mike Portnoy, that didn't have Gavin Harrison? How about their 100 Greatest Singers of All Time that didn't have David Ruffin? How about that one? Unbelievable. That one bugged me. No, just like put out a list, sell some papers, don't think too much, too hard about it. I, I don't know. So... Uh... Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive? Yes. Oh, it's probably going to make you upset. It's number 17 on Billboard's list of the top 50 breakup songs of all time. Uh, <laughs> That's unbelievable. And, and yeah, the fact that it's not. You the know top who five. she's one spot uh, ahead of? Who's that? Bruno Mars with When I Was Your Man. I officially don't like this list. I mean, I like that song a lot, but. And then above her at 16 is Carly Simon, You're So Vain. Is that even a breakup song? Yeah, it is. That one's about James Taylor. I mean, oh. he probably thinks it's about him. <laughs> so, I mean, are, are we even, do we even have a shot of guessing the rest of them? Yeah, just go ahead. Just tell us. Um, 
So also, Taylor Swift is also number 50 on top breakup songs of all time with We're Never Getting Back Together. <laughs> so number that, f- I like that one, actually. Number four, uh, number four is Hallelujah by the Jeff Buckley version. Lord with Supercut, never heard that song. Robin Dancing on My Own is number two. So that is Billboard's top 10 of the 50 greatest, uh, 50 greatest breakup songs of all time. Yeah, that song is by Hallelujah is by Leonard Cohen. So uh, We all know that. I, I apparently <laughs> misunderstood you when you were talking about getting this part of the podcast ready. Uh-huh. So I actually created my top five breakup songs well, let's of all just, time. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did not do that, but if, if you want to go ahead well, and like roll off, what's your, I'm sorry, what did you say your top? The top five. What are your top five breakup songs? Well, of all do time? we have? Can can you put in like fanfare after I read them? Sure, I'll edit in some fanfare. So the the first the first number five on my list is uh, by a a band that I don't even like or care for at all. Mm-hmm. Ben folds that song that goes "Give me my money back, you bitch." Oh yeah, I have that album. <laughs> It's on everywhere and everywhere, everywhere and everything. Amen, something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that song is called, but uh, it's it's funny. Uh, and yeah, I like it. So number two, I'm sorry. Number four on the list is leave me alone by Michael Jackson. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Uh, that's off of which, which, what album is that off of? Uh, bad, bad. Yeah. It's off. Of I bad. don't even, I think that's the title. It's the song last for the track. dumped is Ben folds song for the dumped. Yeah. Okay. Number five song for the dumped by Ben folds. Just cause I think it's funny. Like uh-huh. breakups don't always have to be these sad things. They can be, you can make them, you know, find the funny. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. That was number five. Number four was Michael Jackson. Number four, leave me alone by Michael Jackson. Number three is bleep you by CeeLo green. I don't like the radio edit version. I like the explicit version because it's funny. Well, it's just funnier. We are explicit on this on Bobby Westside's final. Oh, so coffee. I can say it. Yeah, you can say it. Okay, number three, "Fuck You" by CeeLo Green really gets the point across. Yeah, that, yeah. For, and "Forget You" is like it's cheesy, but "Fuck You" by CeeLo Green that's got some like some uh, vitriol in it, and uh-huh. also it's humorous because that's just a funny word uh, and a versatile word. So I like that. Uh, yeah, number two is. Walk Like a Man by Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Oh, great song. Great song. Great song. Just the, those lines, that line where uh, he says, no woman's worth crawling on the earth, so walk like a man, my son. Again, doesn't you? you it can be like a, a, a proud thing that, that you left behind a bad situation and you're marching forward and walk, walking like a man. And number one on the list of my top five, favorite breakup songs is black cow by steely dan well that band that sounds like the eagles oh shut up dude (laughs) (laughs) that band that sounds like shit oh god did i say that did i just say that that? off of asia oh i'm thinking out loud it's it's not my fault that you guys are deaf yes it's from asia by steely dan Uh, that would be that would be the next episode that you're on is uh steely dan asia so we'll, we'll talk more about that song yeah, and you you can convince me that Steely Dan doesn't suck. I'm busy though. Oh, week. they don't. It's I I can't I can't uh, improve your hearing, but uh, I can let you know why it is that I. Hey, love I that have 2020 hearing. <laughs> Joy Joy Division is at number 41 with Level Terrace Apart. There's a lot of people ahead of them that should not be ahead of them. I don't like this list. Yeah, I, that's why I wanted to talk about it because I knew none of you guys. I knew you guys would not get the top five, and uh, I I honestly I'm upset about this list. 
Frank Ocean Ivy. That is so I love that song. Me personally, number one on my uh breakup list, because I, I uh this is the first song that came to mind now that you mentioned like your list. Number one on mine is Screaming Infidelity is by uh Dashboard Confessional. Uh that is the song I listened to a lot in high school after getting broken up with, even though none of the girls I broke uh that broke up with me cheated on me. But uh <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a sad song and it gives me the feels every time I listen to it. So if you were to pick one song that would be on your top five breakup songs, what would it be, Roland? Oh, The Con. Uh, the song's called The Con? Mm-hmm. Off the okay. album, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've listened to that album a bunch. Uh, I listened to more of um, one of their other <laughs> other breakup albums. Well, no, The Con. I mean, Rolling Stone actually did call The Con the breakup album of the decade. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, there's that was, this... came out in like 2007, I think. What's, this, what's the album by them that has uh, Walking with a Ghost? Do you know off the top of your head? No. I think that was the album right before that one. It was. That one's my favorite uh, Tegan and Sarah album. Isn't it called Walking with the Ghost? So Jealous. That is what so the album's jealous. called. So Jealous. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is my favorite uh, t- uh, Tegan and Sarah album. I listen to it a bunch when I feel sad, which I haven't listened to in a long time, so good for me. So Jealous is a great song, too. Yeah, So Jealous is a great song. That whole album is really good. So speaking of uh, ghosts, today we are talking about our album that was released this past Friday, uh, or in the future as of recording this, but was released this past <laughs> Friday. Uh, look at the links down below. Uh, uh, please stream our album if you're listening to this. Please. Stream I didn't know you were a time traveler. I am a time traveler. Wow, it's amazing. Evil Exes is the first full-length album released by American alternative rock band Bobby Westside and Lofis. The album was produced by Robert Terwilliger and mixed by Francisco Grimes. The album was recorded at Ease Room Studios as well as Studio 42 from July of 2021 to May of 2022. The album was a slight departure of the band as previously the previously two released albums have sci-fi elements. Evil Exes focuses more on unrequited love, dating in the digital age, and parasocial relationships. <laughs> The album features a guest appearance from famed studio musician uh, Les Davy Harlow and is available to stream now. Please click the link below. <laughs> so, guys, it took us a long time to record, but we did it. Evil X's is out now. Yay! Good job, time travelers. Good job. Uh, good job, us. Go us. Uh, so, Les Davy Harlow actually appears on two tracks. Yes. Well, I just said it has appearances. Oh, I thought you said a guest appearance, but it's two guest appearances. However I phrased it, I meant he's on multiple albums because he's on, uh, as we'll talk about later, Hey Ramona Hey and Work On Me. So let's just uh, break down this album track by track like we do every time on Bobby Westside's Vinyl and Coffee. Break it down. So opening up, we have the song Here We Go Again Again. and uh, which, one, which one is that? <laughs> <laughs> It's the song that starts off the album. Learn the titles. I don't know the titles. I don't know the titles of these. This is going to be a running theme today. I don't actually know what the titles of any of these songs <laughs> That's are. That's why I said do, do, do. <laughs> oh, okay. All yeah. right. So I, I, I have vague memories of recording that song. I, <laughs> I got something to say about this song. What's, what do you have? I, I don't know why, but this song for me took a million takes. Did uh, Yeah. I mean, this one... I don't know why, especially the first time that we recorded it, mm-hmm. uh, Sal fell asleep. I was That's little, right. Uh, this song was going to be on Psy Fidelity. I was a little embarrassed. Sal fell asleep because uh, it took me so many takes to do this song. And I don't know why it was like my kryptonite, but 
yeah, took me a million takes. Much like Nora Jones, you just don't know why. So <laughs> background behind this song. So I wrote this song mm. uh, in quarantine at my, at my parents' house when the whole pandemic started. Uh, Roland, you actually came up with the title of the song. I sent you like, I don't, do you remember that at all? Refresh my memory. Okay. So I have so many good ideas. Uh, I, I think I sent you like an acoustic, like uh, recording on my phone. I was like, what should the title of this song be? And you just came back with, here we go again, parentheses again. Oh, okay. Yes. And I got that idea from Tropic Thunder. Oh, and, I don't think I ever knew that. And, and, and yeah. Okay. That's where I thought of it was Tropic Thunder because when they do, the um the fake previews at the beginning and they have all the sequels for the the Ben Stiller movie where he's the big action figure mm-hmm. it at the end the the guy doing the <clears throat> the trailer goes again 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 <laughs> oh, okay. and that's where i got the idea i thought you were just making a reference to that white snake song <laughs> nope that's from tropic thunder thank you oh, ben okay. stiller cool so this uh this album uh Again, a little bit of departure from the previous two releases. Uh, this one is kind of like a soft concept album. Like I have like a story in my mind where it starts off with the narrator being ghosted, uh, him finding out the next day that uh, that someone he had a relationship with is now engaged. So then he goes to the internet to try to find like just to f- try to find like another crush, his next crush. Uh, eventually gets on the dating apps, meets somebody. Uh, things start going well at first, then it starts going bad again. And uh, then he gets ghosted again. So it ends with, it begins and ends with uh, the narrator being ghosted. So this song, here we go again, again, the first line of the song is, uh, uh, I think I need a Ouija board uh, just to get you to text back. Which uh, personally, I don't, I don't think I've ever been ghosted in my life, but, you and I, we were talking during quarantine. Okay, specify who you is. Roland, the person I'm looking to. <laughs> okay. You and I were talking. Okay, Sorry. <laughs> You're here with us. You should know which one I'm talking to. <laughs> so, for, Roland, every, for everyone playing the home game. <laughs> okay, Roland, you and I were talking a bunch about just the concept of being ghosted because right. we were both uh, trying, just trying to have like an emotional connection with somebody during quarantine. And we were both kind of like, uh, well, you, mo- I think I, I think I started writing this song cause you had told me about, I was taught, I have this great conversation with somebody. She's a nurse. Uh, I met her on a dating app. We had, we had like a, a Skype date and yeah. then she just stopped talking to me. Yeah. I mean, e- even like, and then you were like, write a song about this. Yeah. I know. I, I sent you the, the concept. I think you and I together as jokingly came up with that first line. Yeah. I think we were like, yeah, like it's like we're communicating with the dead here. It's so difficult, you know, mm-hmm. to get it. And then, yeah, yeah I think and you and I together joking made the first line. Yeah. And you, Salvador, anytime we talk about a relationship and you're like uh, about a previous relationship, you're like, why, why are you talking to a dead person? So that's always been like a running, a running like inside joke between the three of us. Yeah. Bobby Westside and I have a whole cemetery apparently. Yep. A whole yep. cemetery of relationships. I would use that in a future song, but after this album, I'm done with the concept of being ghosted. So yeah, here we go again, again. Uh, I came up with that guitar riff and I pretty much had the whole song written by, by the time we uh, were able to like come back together and like have uh, band practice again. And this song was supposed to go on side fidelity, but that was one of the tracks that uh, got lost. 
Yeah, which really made me sad because once again, it took me a million takes. Yeah, but the second time we <laughs> recorded the bass, you got it done in like three takes. Yeah, no, I, I, I came ready for that one. Yeah. So, uh, Salvador, what is your memory of recording this song? I don't have specific recollection of doing this song uh-huh. uh, other than I can't remember if, if we were actually in, in Ease Room Studio proper or if we had gone to the annex of Ease Room Studio to record this one. This one would have been in Ease Room Studio proper, the, tr- the studio. drum tracking room, yeah. Oh, okay, right, right. I just remember um, it being hot as hell. Uh, yeah. tracking well that that and all all of the tracks that were done in Ease Room Studio proper were very hot because at the time, uh, uh, Ease Room Studio was only equipped with a swamp cooler that we had to turn <laughs> off when we were doing takes so that you couldn't hear it. Yeah, plus we were recording this in July, and we were recording it in July, which maybe wasn't super. Um, or would it have been June? I know I said July earlier. No, it was when July. Are, it okay, was, July. It was July. I was gonna say when are the NBA finals? Because that's where we're watching between, in between takes. Oh, maybe that was June. Maybe it was June then. Okay. Well, e- either I way, some, I remember we were watching hot month. We were watching basketball, uh, in between takes. I remember that because I went to yeah. pick up. Uh, I went to pick up uh, chicken sandwiches at Burger King. It took like an hour for me to get. I was so pissed off that, <laughs> that day. That was in the middle of the chicken, the the chicken sandwich wars that were of twenty twenty one. That's the best thing they have on the menu too. <laughs> it honestly is. I love that chicken sandwich. Uh. Again, I, I will shill for anybody, but uh, other than Chick-fil-A, uh, Burger King has the best chicken sandwich. Yeah, yeah KFC is pretty good. But the, the, the other thing I remember about this song is that there's, there's some like cross-sticking happening, mm-hmm. and I, it just took a lot of practice for me to go from the cross-sticking to the proper yeah. uh, snare hits. And then there's a nice, fun little uh, breakdown where everything kind of hangs in the air for a minute and then the drums bring it back in. So I, I, I remember that about this song. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, uh, the song Shucker is intro verse chorus, intro verse chorus solo. So after the solo, we do like half a verse and then it kind of like fades and holds and then mm. an amazing drum fill by you and then <laughs> right back into the chorus. So yeah. in this one, uh, what was I thinking of? Every drum fill you do is amazing. By the way, oh, this was, God. this was just more amazing Yes, every jump, every jump part is great. Yeah, the, when we originally recorded this one, I think when we recorded it for Sci Fidelity, because you were mentioning the cross sticking, I think we tried the co- cross sticking for like two or three takes, and then we we're like, no, and I'm just going to. We ended gonna, up 86 it. Yeah, but then when we recorded it for Evil X's, you were, had more practice because we had only been sung for like maybe two or three weeks when we f- originally were going to record this for Sci Fidelity. And then you had you had spent more time with it, and you figured out how to how to transition yeah, between the two. That's fair. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Yeah, so I'm glad we got that in the in the recording uh, this time this time around because I really do uh, love the cross sticking so much, and just your whole drum performance on this entire album is just killer. That's how I do it. So moving on to the, probably uh, Roland's favorite song on the album, "Good Morning Monday." Oh man, I don't know oh. if you can use that word. <laughs> <laughs> Morning or Monday. Favorite. Oh, favorites. <laughs> so, uh, f- so I, I actually do remember this one. Yeah. So, just to give a backstory behind this song, uh, I meant this song as a joke in practice uh, because uh, do you want to tell, like, do you want to tell, like, what the story behind this song? So 
<laughs> oh boy, I hope certain people really aren't listening to this podcast. I mean, you wrote, you put her name in the song, so it should be fine. Yeah, fuck oh, it. The, Why not? The, Let's do it live. The, I thought the names had been changed to protect the innocent. Oh, fuck no. This is a totally true story. <laughs> I came to band practice a little morose with some news about someone that I knew had gotten engaged. <laughs> and... You started to play a really interesting chord progression that was kind of jangly, fun, a mixture of the birds and early who. It was just really interesting. It was definitely the who. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely the who. I I can't explain why it would be anybody else. Yeah. Uh, That was a Bobby Westside joke right there. Um, So I gave you the idea and you went with it. And this was one of the first times that the three of us all really contributed. I mean, it's yeah, this is, yeah, this is one of the, one of the few songs where I didn't have like a song that I came into practice with. Yeah. It, like I said, I meant it as a joke. Cause you were talking about your previous relationship with Jenna and she just got engaged. Uh, those are the opening lines to the song. We're really so, doing it. Yeah. We're really yeah. fucking doing po- it. Podcasts are therapy. Also, you should go see a therapist if you need it. Uh, no one here is a licensed therapist. That's no, okay. This is therapy. Music is therapy. I'm okay. But anyways, but yeah, uh, a previous relationship that you had had just gotten engaged. You were, you were telling us about it. And as a joke, I just said, I just started that guitar riff and I said the opening lines. Monday was a little bit strange. That's when Jenna got engaged. Monday was a rough day for me, for me. And I meant it, meant that song to go nowhere, but you kind of like popped up from behind your bass and you're just like, Hey, do that again. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Hey, I got some ideas. Try this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, it was a totally like it was a out of the effort. cuff. Yeah, yeah, out of the it, cuff moment. Uh, totally built in re- in the rehearsal room. Yeah, this song, which is unusual for us. We went through it a couple of times, and it pretty much didn't change much after that, other than me trying to figure out what the guitar solo is. Yeah, I think yeah. sometimes like you forgot the lyrics. Sometimes then you would do like the Paul McCartney scrambled yeah. eggs and all yeah. that. Yeah, there there are two other things I want to say about the writing of this song. Uh, I'm first of all, I'm going to claim having written the chorus because we didn't know what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And you handed me the guitar. Yeah, yeah. You wrote the guitar part for the chorus. And I, I've, I, I never, I've never admitted this before, but the truth is, I started playing the chorus to my generation, <laughs> <laughs> just in the in the key of the song we were because the the intro the the other riff sounded so much you know reminded me so much of Can't Explain, so I started playing the the dang it you're right that is i started playing the the chorus riff from my generation <laughs> i yeah you yeah never do that and then uh yeah so that that's how that happened and i it pretty pretty close to being unchanged from what we came up with that day mm-hmm. for the chorus and then there's a line the only actual line that i contributed was uh when roland was telling us how he was dealing with this he's he uh admitted to having smoked a cigarette for the first time since New Year's Eve. And and we, this would, would have been, I don't know, hopefully uh, we can put the date of the first rehearsal in right here once Bobby Westside has a chance to look it up. Uh, so that's how the line first heater since New Year's Eve showed up because there's a, a podcast I listen to called The Dan Lebetard Show with Stu Gatz where they refer to uh, cigarettes as heaters, and I thought that was really funny. So that was a good line. <laughs> also, true. February seventh, twenty twenty. That's when we wrote the song. Oh, February seventh, twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah. So February seventh, twenty twenty one. That was that was not before COVID. Yeah, it would have been twenty twenty. This was not before COVID. 
I'm not wrong. It says 2020 on there. Yeah, this this wasn't before COVID. It's yeah, you're you're right. It's definitely in February seventh. Okay, here's where I'm gonna insert February seventh, twenty twenty one. But it's that's what the date stamped on it. Yeah. So yeah, you you included yeah because essentially so the, I think the lyrics and the melody for the chorus I came up with, but pretty much with this song, uh, every every verse is either you or uh, Salvador or either Roland or Salvador just giving me like I want the next line to say this. And then me figuring out how that would be, uh, uh, how would that fit like melodically with the melody I came up with. So in all seriousness, the when when you played that first line and you did it as a joke, all uh-huh. right, a lot of great music has actually come from, oh, that's a joke. Like the first time John Williams played the Jaws theme for mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg, he laughed and said, oh, that's really like what, what yeah, are you going to do? Yeah. What are you actually going to do for that part? I think he mentioned that on the Bob Dylan episode, too. Oh, it might have. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of music has, has come out of like what people thought was a joke. So <clears throat> I think the, uh, the, the riff for, for uh, Sweet Child of Mine was, was something that. That was, a, that was a scale that he would, or a scale that would like, that was an exercise that Slash would practice. And it was like a carnival theme. Yeah, it was like, like a, yeah, it kind of like sounded like circusy. So that was just something that he did to like warm up. And then Axel was like, hey, play that again. So I, I do pride myself as far as music goes um, in knowing what a hit sounds like. Uh-huh. And when you played that, I said, that's something. That's yeah. why I, I stood up and said, no, play that again. Yeah, because, yeah, and uh, that's why it's the second single off, uh, off our album. Uh, it's a really good song. Uh, something that I didn't know it was going to be in the Alexis just because I hadn't figured out like what the track list would be at that time. And I didn't know like how it would fit into the story, but perfectly fits into the story. Uh, like I said, previous song guy gets ghosted next day. He sees that, uh, an ex, uh, love of his was, uh, is engaged and he feels worse. Possible sequel coming soon. We've discussed it. So. Yeah. With the morning after is what we're going to call it. I think, uh, yeah, we got we got a few ideas. Plan B, <laughs> the morning after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, him uh, Bob. The other thing about well, recording the drums for that, I spent all day knowing knowing that we were gonna, I was gonna come home, uh, come to the studio, uh, to stu- East Room Studio and record uh, the drums for Good Morning Monday. I spent all day that day listening to Live at Leeds, and basically, <laughs> basically every fill uh, in that. Uh, in that song is inspired or lifted directly from Keith Moonfills. Mm-hmm. And I even thought about like not using the hi-hats at all, just crashing everything, the whole song, the way that he does. But I just, I didn't, I was too scared. Who's the band that uh, Keith Moon was in? We don't have time for this. <laughs> Strict schedule here. So, uh, so yeah. And like, yeah, that, that opening drum fill that you do right before, right before uh, the whole band comes in. Just perfect. It's just one snare hit. Uh, no, I'm talking about the, when the bass comes in essentially. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Where you're just channeling Keith Moon right there. Yeah, That was the whole, just lifted directly. Don't sue me. Keith Moon's estate. Which you did a great job of. I don't think, really good. I don't think anyone could copyright a drum fill. Unless it's like, (laughs) unless it's like (laughs) so specific, like, uh, we will rock you. I'm sure they, if they listen to the podcast and hear me saying, oh yeah, I was, I was, uh, stealing all of. Keith Moon stuff. I mean, <laughs> that makes sense. That's why uh, Robin Thicke got sued. But that's only if the song makes a million dollars. Maybe. God, I hope it makes a million dollars. That's what we're going for. Yep. Uh, so moving on to the next track, Pretty Girls, Nice Guys. 
Based on like the time of when I wrote it, this is the oldest song on the album. Because I wrote this song in, I think, 2018, 2017. And it just kind of like sat on the uh, metaphorical shelf for the longest time. Uh, because we had yet to have met uh, Roland Torrance or he had yet to join the band yeah. at the time. And uh, so, yeah, so this is a song that I've had for a long time. And it wasn't until like maybe like a month before we were going to record this album. I'm like, okay, this song's going to go on the album. Cause I was just trying to like pair songs that would fit thematically. So I think it fits really well. Yeah. Cause so the song in my mind is about the entitlement of the nice guy. So when I say pretty girls, nice guys, it's about how the nice guy feels entitled to uh, a pretty girl's infection affection. Cause like, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm the nice guy. So you should love me and not this douchebag. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of about incels. Because the whole like albums, the point that I'm trying to make is like, oh, it's it's the narrator's fault why he's single. Kind of like um, 500 Days of Summer. Exactly. You know, when you look at it, you're like, wow, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's kind of the bad guy in this one. No, 100. percent And that this album heavily inspired like a lot of my songwriting or the album. That movie heavily inspired a lot of like my ideas uh, for this album. Like just the whole like. Uh, Tom character and how he's kind of the villain in that story. Great movie. Yeah. So, uh, so what are you guys thoughts on this song? I know it's the, it's well, the song we probably play the least, but it fits perfectly with this concept album. No, I, I like, I, I like the up-tempo nature of it. Like it's, 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 it rocks pretty hard, which I appreciate. Yeah. To me, it's like a kind of like a classic, like seventies song. I played it with my, when I was recording it, I played it with my Les Paul Jr. Um, it was, it's the one time I didn't play my uh, Fender Strat uh, on this album. The whole thing. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the Donnas. Like, it's got a Donnas vibe. It does. I yeah. When I wrote the, the song, I was heavily listening to the Donnas at that time. Huh, that would explain that. Uh, Allison, the guitar player, an amazing guitar player, underrated guitar player, and she's just... Uh, she's she has that whole like seventies vibe to her when it comes to her guitar playing. So moving on to the first single on the album, uh, Salvador, do you know which one it is? Okay, okay. Hey, Ramona, hey. So <laughs> this song is uh, essentially about, this song is about parasocial relationships. Uh, I was at uh, I was at work one day uh, back when I used to have a nine-to-five job and not, wasn't a full-time rock star. And, so uh, very long ago. I was, I had the, like, I had this thought in my mind about, because uh, I used to watch a lot of t- Twitch streamers and they were always complaining about how uh, creepy dams uh, are they would get from guys, and uh, so that kind of like that thought came into my mind about how uh, a guy can just be like maybe like a normal guy, but he's not like very again he's an incel he's he's not very socially uh, equipped, so he sees these women online and then he was just like I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot my shot I'm gonna DM her and be like Hey do you want to go get uh, a beer sometime. 
or I see that we're both going to be in, or, or I'm going to be in the city that you currently live in and uh, maybe we should uh, meet up. And so that that's the kind of like the theme behind this song. It's uh, it's meant to be satirical. It's meant to be like things uh, the guy is DMing uh, this person that he only knows through the computer uh, sound normal, but because it's from a stranger, it's it's meant to come off as creepy. Do you want to give a shout out to the Twitch ladies that inspired? That? So, <laughs> yeah. So specifically, um, uh, I was I was watching a Twitch streamer named Amaranth who was talking about this. Then later that day, I was looking on Instagram while I was working because uh, that's what I do most of the day when when I was working back then. Uh, and uh, I saw someone dressed up in a or putting out a picture of Ramona flowers who uh, much like many guys in my generation is like a huge, like uh, imaginary crush of them. Cause she's not a real person. She's from the uh, movie Scott Pilgrim or in the book of the same name. And I, I saw, so I just wrote it about uh, Ramona flowers cosplays as a note to them. That's why the song's called Hey Ramona. Hey. Huh. Incredibly catchy. My, my favorite thing about, um, this song is that it starts with the chorus. And I think this is the only song on the album that starts with the chorus. I believe you're correct in that. And I, I just am reminded of that scene from The Sopranos where Chrissy and Aid are um, oh. <laughs> wanting to become <laughs> record producers. And, and the guy that's engineering is fighting with the singer saying, you know what the problem is? Where are the fucking choruses? There's no choruses. <laughs> and then he says, what happens to She Loves You? Starts with the chorus. That is structure. That's how you build a song. And uh, I, I just thought it would be funny that if we maybe we can put out a video on the socials of them, uh, of that video and just overdub. What happened to Hey Ramona Hey? Yeah. Starts with the chorus. That is structure. And then Chris proceeds to break a guitar. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like I said, the song is like the first time I think I ever wrote about like the concept of a parasocial relationship. And originally I was going to make another concept. Our next album would be a a concept album about it, but honestly I'm tapped out on the subject and I might write one more song about it because I have a really good title for it that I'm not going to say here for free. Uh, (laughs) But I, I might write one more song about parasocial relationships, but that'll, that'll be done. The next album is just going to be a hard rock album pretty much. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and lay claim to having uh, written or at least inspired the bridge on Hey Ramona Hey. Oh, 100%. You you came up with the idea for the bridge. Because at, at first it didn't have a bridge. It was just two verses and an outro. And then I'm like, that song needs a bridge. Yeah. I was trying to figure out like a guitar solo for it because the song is very simple. It follows a, a simple chord progression. Uh, the verse and the chorus are played differently, but they're the same chords. And then you were like, no, this needs a middle eighth. Yeah, middle eight. Yeah. And it, I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel here. It drops into the relative minor and it goes <laughs> it's like, and there's eight measures of it. And then we go back to the chorus. Yeah. And this it's is like uh, a proper middle eight. Actually, this is the second song on the album that has all three of us credited as, as lyricists because you came up with the middle eight, but you came up with the lyric. Um, Please don't leave me on red. I saw the green light and said, you came up with the idea for mm-hmm. the green light. Yeah. Cause you're a big, uh, you're a big reader probably the biggest reader of the three of us. <laughs> and uh, you were referencing which book? Great Gatsby. Yeah, you're referencing Great Gatsby. And those themes come out later in the, um, in the album too. Because on social media, you know, when, when someone's online, you know, there's a green light. 
yes. next to their names. Every time I'm looking at my favorite Instagram per, uh, personality, uh, Blue Jay, every time that green light comes on, I'm just like, hey, Ramona, hey. Today's the day. <laughs> but you never do because you're not a creep. Yeah, I never do. <laughs> Which, uh, for the album version, uh, she's the voice that comes out in the beginning of the song that says, hey, BW Band, what's up? I was oh. watching her trip sh- Twitch stream one day, and I was like, I'm going to say hi and see if she says something back to me. And then I recorded it, and I put it at the beginning of the song. You go, girl. <laughs> so moving on to our next song. song we work on. Uh, so this is the song that I actually wrote uh, during our vocal recording sessions for Sci Fidelity. Uh, that's when I first started interacting with my ex, uh, Penny, Penny Dreadful, who I wrote most of the rest of the songs about. So for, for this one, the way that it comes out in the album, this was one that we started on last year. Yeah, we started on last year. And we, that we lost the track. No, that wasn't the one we lost the track for. This, uh, the yeah, this one was recorded after we lost everything for Sci Fidelity. Okay. We we started, uh, yeah, like I said, we, I started writing the. I came up with like the first guitar part when we were doing the vocal tracks for Sci Fidelity, uh, but we didn't actually record it properly until uh, we started recording this album. Yeah, because then when I had to come in and do the, I swear I had to come in and do a bass track. You did again. the bass multiple times. Yeah, yeah. and then the first time. It was fine with the intro that you had originally planned on. Yeah. The second time I came back and it wasn't working. I just wasn't getting it. It was all, the timing was off, everything. And so then the intro that we hear now is just from me listening to grunge mm-hmm. music and said, okay, create some feedback, create some distortion. This is going to be almost like a Nirvana sort of lead in. Which and, I didn't do that. I just took the old AOL logging in. Yeah. Um, I sampled that and I put it in the song. Yeah. And I do like one quick run up the neck and then we start. Because I'm like, if the song's about like dating on the digital age, I mean, I need to put something that millennials will recognize. Oh, we got that from, that idea was from uh, the song Memphis. Oh, remember yeah, that's I right. sent yeah. you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The song Memphis by that band. I can't remember. Kitten? Kitten, yeah. Something Kitten, yeah. Kitten. Yeah, no, I was listening to that and that's, that. you're 100% right. That's where I got the idea to put that on work on me. Yeah. Because you had sent me that song by Kitten because I'm an Avril kid. And that works so well. It yeah. works so well. It fits perfectly. We should probably like get a sample of it so we can use it live. Or I'll just con- I'll just do guitar feedback like I normally do, but so yeah. I remember the first time we played this in practice. Uh I had spent for unrelated reasons, I had spent all day uh listening to James Brown. So every new thing that I wanted to try, the <laughs> snare hit ended up on the and of four instead of on the four, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why that's why this song is that way because I was I was I was just in a in a James Brown mood. Yeah, and this is the I think this is the no, yeah, it's one of the first or one of the only songs in the album that has tambourine, and the tambourine goes along with like the same rhythm as the main drum part. Yeah, but it fits like you you do the same exact like perfect rhythm where where the, the snare hits right where where the. Uh, the tambourine hits right where the snare also hits is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. On the I, end, yeah. It's on the end of four. If you're, if you're a young drummer and you're trying to play along, <laughs> yeah. I love uh, Bootsy Collins talking about playing bass for, for James Brown. I love that. He's like, just because he told him 
and this is kind of how funk music started was you can play any riff you want just give me the one and then bootsy just proceeds to go oh i get it <laughs> so that is awesome <laughs> yeah so uh the other thing that happens on this is this is the song that features a guitar solo by Les Davy Harlow. By Les Davy Harlow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, he's a legendary local studio musician. Uh, I was I was happy to get him on the Oh actually, <laughs> Hey Ramona Hey was the first song that features oh, Les yeah, Davy Harlow. Yeah, Les Davy yeah we forgot we forgot one. to mention Les Davy Harlow. Yeah, um, we, yeah, we were gonna bring in uh Salvador Wheelie's brother to uh record the guitar solo, right. but we just couldn't we we couldn't get the timing right and we were trying to we were trying to get this album out. The record company was really up our ass to get this album out by August. And uh so yeah, we re- recorded it at one of our like drum tracking sessions. As the uh senior vice president of BW Music Publishing, I'm really glad you guys kept this one in house. Yeah. I mean He's a studio guy. We we just have to pay him for well, the I day, mean, and then he's gone. Gnarly would have gnarly would have ripped it up too. I mean, you you guys. Oh no, he would have been good too. We, like I said, we just couldn't get the timing right. Just the timing just didn't didn't work. So the next song. Why are you I, I think this song is excellent, by the way. It's it's honestly so it's one of the one of the songs that I wrote in a period of time in my life where I was kind of seeing Penny Dreadful casually and uh I thought things were going well and then she was kind of being like wishy washy about like making plans. So this is the part in the story where, you know, uh the narrator met this person, things are going well, at least so he thinks, and uh uh, kind of comes to realizing like, oh, maybe she's just not that into me. And that and I took the the name, her name here, uh, is essentially like Bobby Westside plus her name here. That's that's where that's why I called it her name here. And that was actually like the first because I made this as like a demo on my phone first, like I did with most of the songs from Psy Fidelity. Because uh, I didn't have this studio equipment, yet, or I didn't have access to the studio equipment yet, uh, and so and so yeah, and I have like a very like very basic version of this song on my uh, SoundCloud account. If anyone wants to go check that out, so yeah, uh, her name here, and then I think like a couple of, a couple of weeks later we had band <clears throat> practice and uh, we started jamming the song. To me, it's a very like uh, fuzzy guitar, like Nirvana like 90s type song. Yeah, very grunge-like. Uh, and you had a great intro. I filmed the first time we ran through it. And you, the way you introduced it was really good. Oh, you're going to have to send that video to me so I can do it again The te- when people it's, are paying attention. It's on my Instagram. Oh, okay. And I'll, I'll look for it. It's great. I mean, you, you say it really deadpan. You said, this song is called Her Name Here. And then you start doing it. it is, it's a perfect intro. Oh, okay. Cool. I'll have to remember that for, the, for our, next, our next gig. Uh, could you describe the Starbucks line? Because I think that's a great line. So you know how I kind how I came to like writing the song or the song was, you know, we would talk mostly. Me and Penny would talk mostly through texts, and uh, so I kind of like was inspired by the way we were texting each other. So in my mind, uh, the verses are like our texting exchanges to each other. Hey, how have you been, Starbucks again? Let's meet to let's meet tonight. Oh wait, I just changed my mind. 
So that came from, you know, a conversation me and her had where we would try to make plans on Sundays or she would try to make plans only on Sundays. Um, and I'd be like, Hey, how have you been? And, uh, I'd be like, Hey, do you want to go get Starbucks and like hang out? And she was like, yeah, sure. And then she was like, you know what? I just, I'm not feeling it tonight. I just kind of want to be by myself. Yeah. And it almost makes you feel like, you know, it's like, wh- I, I'm so sorry that it's just so terrible to hang out with me. You know, like it, it makes mm-hmm. you feel like, you know, oh, I, I'm I'm so sorry I put you through that, you know, that it seems to be such a mental ordeal to have to spend time with me, you know, which is hurtful. Yeah, it is. And, you know, me and her have talked since then, and I feel like we're on really good terms right now. But I, this this song is about my feelings at the time of writing the song and how I kind of felt, for lack of a better term, used uh, a little bit. Because, you know, it, it talks about, like, her asking things from me, but then never really reciprocating those things. Yeah. So the first time I may or may not have spent time socially with a certain someone who was referenced on this album may or may not have been at Starbucks and would also make me feel somewhat used for attention. So that's part of the reason why I think the song is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Salvador, I know that, so this is the one song where I'm saying like, Oh, we're going to play her name here next. And you're always reply with what? I don't know. How does that song go or something along those yeah. lines? You have <laughs> never once been able to remember the title I, I, of this song. No, I don't. Be, well, in my defense, I don't think it says the name of the song. It, no, the it song. doesn't. Her name here does not. Most of the songs don't have the the title of the song in the in the lyrics. In fact, I don't think any other than hey no, because it's it's hey hey Ramona, not hey Ramona hey. So yeah, none of the song uh, titles appear. Oh no, pretty girls, nice guys. Yeah, that's the only song on on the album that oh and girls and ghost girls. So two songs on the album references actually have like the title in the song. Yeah, and I I don't know I memorizing the song I like I know how they all go and I can play them but memorizing the song titles just is not uh, my strong suit I guess yeah so uh, I don't know if you remember this but when we were tracking the drums for this song uh, up until uh, up until we finalized like the mixes there were four different drum tracks saved on the track because you were very adamant about like trying different things with the drums and we and on the second take when i heard that i knew we had the the drum take we're like no let me do it again let me try something different so there were four completely different drum tracks saved on the song and i just i let you just figure it out <laughs> but i always knew i was going to use the second take oh cuz you played exactly what i wanted on that second take sorry for wasting your time i don't have any independent recollection of that at all <laughs> yeah again it was we we so the drums were recorded in july of 2021. So I wouldn't expect you to, but I just have very vivid, uh, memory of doing that. So you pulled a Phil Spector. So, oh, we're going to do it like this. Oh, we're going to yeah. do it like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause yeah. Cause, and, and I'm not joking. Like each drum track in the courses are played differently on each four of the tracks. I, I, I think they're probably still saved somewhere in the master tapes, yeah. we'll the master recordings for a goof one of these days. Yeah. I, I, uh, I did show them to you when we were like working on the, the harmonies for the song. Uh, and you're like, Oh, okay. And you had explanations why you did them. Cause 
the the track the drums that didn't make it on this album to me they were played perfectly but you're like no i feel like i'm off time there i'm like no you're fine <laughs> you're good you gave me yeah you gave me and uh uh robert terwilliger exactly what we wanted on that second take <laughs> okay well that's that's good all right next song she just goes a little mad sometimes haven't you i'm not calling you a psycho Is felt emo again, which is taken from the meme "felt emo again might delete later." So on this is another one. This is another song where this this can be a hit. I agree with you. Yeah, it's a very catchy melody. Uh, Extremely catchy. I we mean, have Salvador really doing the 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 kind of hook with the woe o's. Great harmonies, by the way. Which Thank I th- I think I came up with, but Salvador really came up with all the harmonies for it. And we uh, did a, a live stream, and um, uh, Sal had some great emo hair. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. He did, and you can see that on our Instagram channel. <laughs> yeah, link in the link oh. in the description below. The, uh, my emo hair. Yeah, your much emo fringe. Now. Oh no! Wow, very nice. Yeah, I know. You had to you had to file your you had to fire your personal stylist. So I did have to fire my personal stylist. <laughs> when you did that, they reminded me. What is what is um what is Christopher Walken's son say in Wedding Crashers? Oh gosh, Death, you are my bitch lover. <laughs> I've never seen it. What? You've never seen Wedding Crashers? Never seen Wedding Crashers. Uh, Unless it's a gangster movie. Or a Quentin Tarantino movie? He's never seen that movie. So that's not true. I've on this Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> on this on this song, um, I have a tendency to uh, when I play, I love to play the open E string. Mm-hmm. I and just that's all there is. And on that verse, open E. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if for anyone who's even remotely curious what the bass is doing on this song, open E. Yeah, but then before the chorus, you do the C. That's when you get a little fancy. Yeah, because uh, yeah, but that's that's how yeah. Because I came. This was one of the so I wrote her name here, uh, felt emo again, and the next song, the weekdays, all within like the same week. So it's all again things aren't going great with Penny and me, and I'm again I just felt emo again. And explain the chorus because I think the chorus is excellent. Okay, that that is a good point. So the course is, I'm not calling you a psycho, but I'm guessing that you might know. Every time I think it's crazy, maybe I'm the one that's crazy. Right. So around this time, I was noticing a lot of uh, female musicians having, uh, if the song wasn't released recently, it was just like a theme that pretty much a lot of like female pop musicians had songs that were like, oh, you think I'm a psycho. You think I'm crazy. Like they all all had a song like with that kind of theme on it. And you also see when a lot of the times when maybe a relationship goes south, you do see one thing that men do a lot mm-hmm. is the first thing they do is they call the, the female partner a psycho. Yeah. Or she's crazy. You know? And that's, that's again, that's the, the, the take I have for this song is I'm not calling you psycho. Maybe I'm the one that's crazy. Yeah. So I, I got like the, what kind of inspired it with, was a college humor sketch. Um, where the guy is talking about like, oh yeah, my psycho ex. It was like, yeah, I have a, also have a psycho ex too. And one guy is just saying like normal things that girls do, like being interested in him and he's calling that psycho. And then the other one is dating an ax murderer. <laughs> so it's kind of like that a juxtaposition yeah, is but- what the song is about. Like me saying like, 
I'm I'm call, I'm not calling you a psycho because maybe I'm the one that's crazy in this relationship. Maybe that's what this is where the narrator is starting to realize, like, you know, maybe I'm single because of me and the way I'm thinking about love. Again, going back to the 500 days of summer and the, Tom's like turnaround. And his sister is the one that yeah, starts that, to get him to realize that. Exactly. So, yeah. And that's kind of like how I thought of how I thought about the song. And I, when we were, uh, when I was mixing the vocals, I, I just texted you Roland. Cause you were, uh, you were probably on vacation that day, living that rock star life. Uh, uh, you know? unlike you though, when I go on vacation, like I'm the bass player, I'm in the background. So like people don't notice me. So I oh, walk yeah. around just, yeah, you unbothered. can walk around free. I get, yeah, I get mobbed. Yeah. Girls pulling your hair out. You know, I went to the farmer's market yesterday, man. Everyone just wanted my autograph and picture. Yeah. It was, it, it's really hard to walk through. I was wearing a cap and sunglasses and just people still recognized me. So the hand cramp is, you know, is your hand okay now from signing so much stuff? Yeah. You know, I, I, I use my, I use my right hand a lot when I was like 13. Uh, so it's really like built up strength. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, this is the time in band practice when we had to stop when BW made a, a funny and, and we just have to Pointed acknowledge out, yeah. that that was fucking funny. Uh, thank you. But, so, uh, no, in all seriousness though, great lyrics in this song. Excellent. Thank stuff. you. I really tried to, one, one of my favorite lyrics is, I think it's in the second verse when it says your heart is the fuel for my ego. So again, that's the theme of like, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking for, I'm just looking for anyone to love me. I don't really care who it is or what you want in the relationship. Your heart is the fuel for my ego. Mm-hmm. And we got to get up to Santa Fe quick and get our business license and get this publishing company started. Yeah. This song, I can see <laughs> it on a Netflix teen rom-com. Yeah. We got to get these songs to the right people ASAP. So my favorite thing about this song uh, is at the end, well, we, we started, we were doing like chorusing <clears throat> to the outro and then you started to the point where you were singing like half a line. Mm-hmm. You, you sang half the line and then the whoa, whoa's and yeah, yeah's kept going. And then I basically bullied you into doing it, like just cutting more and more away from it until all that was left was the whoa, whoa's and the yeah, yeah's. Yeah. So, whoa. uh, that, that was yeah. inspired by, uh, that was inspired by the song, um, we are finding who we are by King's X from the album, uh, uh, faith, hope, love. Cause mm-hmm. they do that at the, they do that at the end of uh, of that song where they're singing the chorus, but they just keep cutting back and back and back until nothing is left. Yeah, that and was when, a great idea you had. And when you started singing that, and like you cut off the line halfway, I was like, "No, we have to keep we have to keep going, and we have to keep stripping it away until there's nothing left." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that, thanks I was for so glad you me. came. Yeah, I'm so glad you came up with that. Yeah, a lot more like I think a lot more collaborative efforts on this album than the previous two releases. Yeah, we can do things too. Yeah. We know things. You guys have good ideas. Good job, guys. Hey. <laughs> Proud of us. I like I love us. It's the weekdays. Week spelled W-E-A-K. Uh, this is also, I like the theme of changing the words around, uh, different spellings. I really like that a lot. Yeah, and it, days spelled with a Z. This is cool. This is also the coolest, most badass riff you've ever written. That, yeah. I, like, I was thinking about, like, I was listening to the song, You Know You're Right by Nirvana. Mm. And I wanted a song that just rocked that hard. And that's when I came up with the weekdays. And this was kind of like, this is 
me and I guess also the narrator <laughs> as the narrator, this is like my lowest point in quarantine where I'm just like, I'm miserable. And Things, you let it out. I mean, those screams, I mean, you know, the, especially that first time we ran through it. I also have a video of us running through this for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you just let it, no guitar solo. I mean, this song nope. gets in and gets out. I mean, this song's great. I think it's, it might be the shortest song on the album. Not that any of my songs are ever really that long. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's one of those songs that's just meant to be played fast and loud. And uh, very introspective lyrics for me. I was just, again, I was just feeling miserable. And I, I called it the weekdays because I just felt really weak that day. Like nothing was going right in my life at the time. Things weren't working out with Penny. She just stopped talking to me at that point in my life. Uh, but yeah, I just, uh, I just had to let it out some way. Yeah. And then when the, there's a part where you say, you know, sometimes I really got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Really got, sometimes I really got to figure it out. Sometimes it hurts too much to even shout. Yeah. And that's, I think about that line constantly. Yeah. And that's we a really good one. And in the track we have you just much like you did with social distancing, we have you yelling in a room saying shout to mm-hmm. just give it that little extra conus. Yeah. And, uh, and this is another one just wailing on the opening. Oh, and this one has our little skit that we do in the beginning. Do you want to talk about oh, that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was at lunch with a good friend at an undisclosed location. Um, Planet Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Absolutely. We'll go with that. Um, and I, the, the waiter... Um, we started just randomly talking about music and this person told me who they were and I recognized the name. Yeah. He's a local DJ in some other town (laughs) in some other, no, he's a local DJ in Hollywood in a galaxy far, far away. Um, California. Cause you're at the planet Hollywood in Los Angeles. uh, Yeah. I was at planet Hollywood in Los Angeles and uh, you know, we were talking about that and, and, and I, I said, oh, I remember you, you're, you're the DJ. And this person was so incredibly bothered and offended by the fact that I used the term DJ and said, literally said, I will never forget this. Just like on the skit, I make that music. I'm a producer. Yeah. Yeah, and we recorded that, I think, before we recorded the song. It was just an idea that we had. I told you about it. We both found it humorous that mm-hmm. the dude was so... Yeah, because this was pre-pandemic times. No, it was it was during. Oh, it was during. It, it was right when things... Started were opening up? Opening up. We okay. could actually... like It was only outdoor seating. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could actually, you know, go sit outside somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> that was interesting. That was an interesting encounter. I just thought it was humorous. Yeah. And just to backtrack, because Felt Emo, again, also has a, a sample from the movie Psycho in the beginning mm. of it. And uh, I, I had texted you that day. I'm like, hey, what's the perfect line from Psycho to start off this song? And then you said this minute, and you sent me the clip. And so I sampled that and put that in the beginning of Felt Emo again. That's a great movie, great line. We, we all go a little mad sometimes. Haven't you? That's, I love that part. I love that whole movie. Yeah. But yeah, The Weekdays, that is... Uh, yeah, that's one of the most like rocking songs and most aggressive songs on the album. Very aggressive. Okay, moving on to the next song. Yeah, 
song is called I Envy You. I Envy You. Bobby Westside and I almost got in a fight about this song. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, like it, so, this was, so this one and the next song, Ghost Girl, I wrote, I think, two weeks before we actually started recording the album. And originally, uh, two other songs were going to be put on this album. But when I wrote those, because this is... Uh, this is back when I was kind of reconnecting with Penny Dreadful and, uh, and, uh, so I was inspired to write songs again. So I completely like, I wrote the song in like a weekend. Uh, and then I did like a demo of it. I had a very, and what Salvador was hinting at is I had a very specific drum part for the beginning. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And then I sent the track over to Sal. I'm like, can you learn these two songs and can we record them this weekend? He was like, sure. And uh, what you came up with is a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I um, My favorite thing in the world is uh, halftime drum parts. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I try and sneak them in whenever I can. And Bobby Westside doesn't always let me get away with it. But I, I they got, don't fit in every song. I got one in. Um, Lost Astronauts got one. Yeah. Um, there are a couple more. This is the only time it happens on this album, I think. Uh, but like, but more to come in future songs. When, when I, uh, he sent me those recordings, uh, the, just the kind of the guide tracks. And I, I had an idea of how I wanted it to sound in my, in my brain. I just kept wanting it, wanting that intro part to be in halftime with, with, uh, with the drums accenting those little stabs and, Mm -hmm. Bobby Westside had some kind of other idea about what the drums should sound well, like. I just wanted the drums to follow. Like I wanted it to be a very like nineties pop punk song. So I just wanted the drums to follow the guitar part. So it's just the, you hitting the Tom and the snare and doing the dunna dunna, and then having the hi-hat kind of like click in between. So that's how I always intended the song to go. And you played the drums, f- played for the drums. Uh, you, when you did the takes for the drums, you're like, this is kind of what I wanted to do. And I, like it sounded off to me because I knew I wanted a specific drum part, and I let you do it, just thinking like I'll just change it later. <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll just do digital drums for that part. I can I program them the fir- I program them for the demo. I program for the demo. I can I can do it again. It's not a big deal. If I don't get what I want, I'll just let him, I'll let him have fun with it. <laughs> and the reason why we almost fought about it, it was because like, I couldn't figure out how to play the drum, the guitar along with those drums. It took me a long time to like hear the meter in my head. But then once I did, I loved it. I, be, yeah. I became, it became my favorite. My, uh, this is why collaboration is so important between musicians because someone's idea can make a song better. You just have to follow each idea to fruition. fruition. So this is, the catchiest chorus you've ever written. Yeah, the, this thank is. You. Uh, you know, you, you know, like you and I really like the movie uh, "Get Him to the Greek." Mm-hmm. You know, and and the part where, uh, like, Sean Combs Diddy is is saying that, you know, like, no man, I, like I, I that song, I brush my teeth to that shit. You know. Yeah. That's this song is so catchy. The chorus is so incredibly catchy. I'm always thinking of it. That's really? why always constantly it actually this chorus will run through my mind and I will catch myself singing along at least once a day. And speaking of the chorus and collaborating, you had a different you had an alternative take on the chorus right. cuz 
So the part that I sing and the part that you sing, I sing the, and I envy you. And then you do, and I envy you. So those are like the two different like distinctions between our two parts. And you you had the idea to flip it around. Uh, I think I wanted the high part to 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 keep the constant note and then the low part to have the walk down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bobby Westside had it flipped. And so I, I proposed it. I made a little scratch demo. We, we, we ended up we recording everything. It. Yeah, we recorded it and we like sat on for a couple of days just to see how we thought about it. And, and we, uh, we both agreed that uh, the way that it appears on the album is the right way. Yeah. So then we had to, then we went back and re-recorded everything. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and I I was happy to do it. I was like, okay, this is kind of different than what like I, since you had the success with the drum part, I was more open to. No, I'm I, not such a curmudgeon when it comes to like things have to be my way or the highway. No, again, it's 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 uh, following ideas mm-hmm. yeah. to their to their conclusion. What? You use the word curmudgeon. Like, what the fuck? Are you Walt Whitman or something? Like I like old timey terms. <laughs> I says to Mabel, I says, um, that's hilarious. Ahoy, ahoy, here. I'm just saying things from the Simpsons. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was okay with trying it out cause yeah, I, you, you could be right. Cause you listen to, we all have like similar tastes in music, but we all have like separate tastes in music. So one of those different variations could inspire something that makes the song better. And we both agreed. Yeah. Like you're saying, we both agreed that it was, it was kind of like better, like the way is originally like intended. Mm. And yeah, it's it's probably my favorite currently my favorite song on the album, uh, I envy you. Which uh, is a, so how I usually write songs is I have the song title first, and then I come up with a, an idea of what the song is about later. So I just I had the song title in in my notes app in my phone for like years, just I envy you, and uh, then finally one day I had that melody in my head. I was like, and I envy you. I was like, oh, that's the song. That's the song. Yeah. So, yeah, then I was able to figure out, and uh, what's that song? Uh, you, so this song was also inspired by another song that you had sent me, The Something Girl, The Cameroon Girl, by that one band. The Nimum Girl. Do you remember? The Backseat Lovers. That's the name of the band. Yeah. Um, what's the song called? Uh, something. Oh, hold on, I'll tell you right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. The band is the Backseat Lovers, Kilby Girl. Kilby Girl. So, because they had that little like, yeah, in the beginning. So that's so originally when we we're recording the guitars, I had them like. Mm. And that's how they were originally supposed to be played. But when we later listened to it with the drums on it, it just didn't make sense. So then I just did straight palm muting. But I was trying to like recreate that kind of feel for that song. If the Backseat Lovers ever want us to open for them, that'd be awesome. Because uh, the, the lyrics to Kill Be Girl are incredible. Yeah. You sent me that song. I was like, oh, I kind of want to have a song that has that feel. The two songs sound nothing alike. No, but that's no, how dude. that's how songs. That's how me and uh, Spencer Taylor, who was on the previous episode, we were talking about the day. You you take ideas from other bands and uh, you move. Uh, you kind of like make them your own, reshape them. All great songwriters do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, good mm-hmm. artists are nobody's insp- totally original. Yeah, good artists are inspired by bands. Great artists steal. I I believe is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's one of my favorite songs on the album. So moving on to uh, our 10th song on the album, the song... Holy crap, there are 10 songs on this album? There are 12. 
Whoa. She was pumpkin spice in all things nice. When I met her in the summer, and I don't know when, somehow it happened again. And it looks like death's become her. Oh, that's Ghost Girl. That is Ghost Girl. That is the 10th <laughs> song on the album. So this song is about necromancy. <laughs> I used the right term, right? Yes. Okay. So it's essentially about um, having been ghosted, not talking to that person in a while, and then they come back into your life. She's my ghost girl, and she's back in my world. I guess somehow I raised the dead. And originally, this I was going to give this song to Johnny Ghoul and have it be a smashing PSL song, uh, but it was so good that I had to keep it for myself. So yeah, Ghost Girl, again, I wrote that like two weeks before we were recording the drums. Yeah. And this song, I... I legitimately have no recollection of recording at all. I know. Like when none. We were, when we were talking about, I think this was back in like February, when we were talking about recording guitar, I sent you like the track list. He was like, oh, don't we need to still record the guitar for Ghost Girl? I was like, no, you recorded them back in July. You're fine. Yeah, I have no recollection yeah, and at I all of recording Ghost you Girl. You did it in like less than five takes. And again, just you you found it. You got in the pocket and you, you got the song. Even though you... Because I don't think we, we, as a group, we had ever played that song before. I still don't think we've ever played Ghost Girl together. I think we played it once together. Um, yeah, I think we ran through it one time. Uh, Sal, you're starting to turn into like Stephen King when he wrote uh, Cujo. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> recollection. No recollection. Well, I, have, I literally have no, I don't know when we did it. I don't know where. Well, you know. I know I did it because I can hear myself playing it on the record. It's like. I see my, it's like uh, at the concert for Bangladesh, uh, Eric Clapton, he sees himself playing it. He has no memory of ever being there. Oh, yeah. He was uh, drinking a lot and doing a lot of heroin at the time. Yeah, much like Salvador Wheelie. Just kidding. That was satire. He's never done drugs in his life. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> but yeah, so Ghost Girl, that's, that's what it's about. And the opening line is, uh, she was, the opening line, she was pumpkin spice and everything nice. She's pumpkin spice and, and all, all things, things nice. nice. Is what it is. Pause. I have to look at the lyrics. Why can't I remember the lyrics to my own fucking song? It's she was pumpkin spice and all things nice when I met her in the summer. Thank you. So yeah, the, <laughs> li- the opening line is she was pumpkin spice and all things nice when I met her in the summer. And I had that written in my phone notes for a good year. I'm sorry, you're looking at me weird, Roland. No, I'm, I'm just. Oh, okay. You look sh- you look surprised. <laughs> But yes, pumpkin spice and all things nice when I met her in the summer. And I had that, I just had that like written in my uh, notes app for like a good year before I finally like found this song to use it against. And it's kind of like one of those things where I, I wrote a guitar riff. I don't know, I don't know what song it's going to be for. And then I like, all right. And then I'm like looking through my notes app. I'm like, these lyrics might fit. How could you write a song about modern romance and not include a reference to pumpkin spice? I know, especially, uh, especially about it, like, because I intended it to be like a, a spooky song, and I was originally going to write it about like uh, Sabrina from like you know the Archie the comics. Witch. Oh, the what? The teenage witch. <laughs> yeah, the teenage witch, the Archie oh. comics. Yeah, oh, you you were right. I don't know that was an Archie comic. Yep. So yeah, and luckily all things came together. Uh, to originally, I wanted the song to be called Jennifer Love Hewitt because she's the ghost whisperer. 
<laughs> but for some reason, Sal, you did not want the song to be called Jennifer Love Hewitt. You were adamantly against it. Do you know, do you remember why? No. <laughs> I just, it, maybe just didn't want to get sued. Oh, uh, so uh, it's not because you like you don't love her or something like. So uh, is it too painful to? No, it's, <laughs> no. Jennifer Love Hewitt's fine by me. There, there are certain movies that Bobby Westside and I have agreed upon that we just can't watch. Yeah, all the ones featuring Anna De Armas. It just, just can't. We made it through Knives Out. Yeah, we made it through Knives Out. We were well, we drank a lot. Yeah, well, it's because that's the one movie she's in that she's not sexualized. Yeah, but they they like purposefully tried to make her look so plain, but it mm-hmm. didn't work. I mean, she's still a gorgeous woman, but you know, she's not. It's one of her movies where she's not naked in. I I liked her uh, her her like nervous tick that she couldn't lie. She would vomit. Yeah. Okay. My my two favorite things that happen in that song are uh, right before the first time the verse hits. Uh, everything falls out and there's just like one really lonely hit on the tom. Oh yeah. Floor tom. Dong. And uh, I I like that. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I think that was your idea to put that in the yeah, that, track. I, yeah. From what I remember, that was my idea. Cause and even if it was mine, I couldn't claim it because I have no recollection of recording the song. No, it was mine because, like I said, I had an idea of. I had an idea of like, I always have an idea of drum moments. I, as you know, I cannot play the drums to save my life, even though I try really hard. But uh, <laughs> I have an idea of like spots with, of ideas of where drums could go. And that was the one thing where I'm like, at that point, I need a tom hit right before the chorus kicks in. It's the same way. I can always hear, I think, what's going to sound right. But then you, there is a video of me uh, after a lot of gin mm-hmm. attempting and kind of pulling off playing the drums. Yeah. We'll put that out on the socials. My other favorite thing that happens in that song is uh, I don't I haven't talked a lot about my my vocals, but uh, very deep in the mix, there's me doing a, an impression of Peter Steele on the chorus, which I think is kind of cool. So moving on to the penultimate song. <laughs> Oh, that's Ghosted in the Machine. I know that one. Yeah, that is Ghosted in the Machine. That song uh, slaps. That is another uh, another one where I had the song title written in my uh, written in my notes app, and uh, I believe I sent Roland my acoustic demo of the song, and I gave him two uh, ideas about, hey, should this song be called this or this? And you said Ghosted in the Machine, because it makes complete sense. Yeah, and the, th- that's another one where. Uh, the chorus, like when you first go into the chorus, mm-hmm. it's once again so incredibly catchy. Thank you. Yeah, that's Even another though, one. I mean, it is a good melody, but there's nothing that there's nothing in my mind that makes the chorus catchy. Like nothing that makes it stand out for some reason. Uh, for me, it's it's one of the, another one of the most catchy things you've ever done when it goes into the chorus. Um, also, this is the um, fewest takes I've ever had to do uh, because it's quite repetitive. Yeah, Which is it's great. a three chord, three chord chord progression. Uh, it's a song that uh, I was going to use for. It was a chord progression I was going to use for a different song that I gave to Johnny Gould for their next album, uh, for the Smashing PSL album. Uh, but yeah, I used it for Ghost in the Machine because I didn't think I was going to do anything with it. So yeah, I was going to use it for the song Dead by Dawn, but it came on this song because I didn't think I was going to do anything with it. So yeah, it's and it was a riff that I had thought of that day. I. I wrote uh, a melody in my head and it just kind of worked out. It was one of my, one of my quarantine songs. 
and yeah. you, you were right calling it Ghost in the Machine. We uh, first played this song in practice on May 30th, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a note in my phone from that day. And, uh, and at the end of that, I actually said, man, that song slaps. Yeah, it's, I've loved this song since the first time we played it because it's it's uh, I, I, I like how rocking it is. Yeah, it's one of the few times uh, where I play a solo where I listen to it afterwards. I'm like, oh, that was a good solo. I've never once thought that before about a solo I played. Yeah, it is. This is a really good solo. I, I there are a couple of like repeated like Jimmy Page repeated licks in there um, that are, are just good composition. Yeah. You should be proud of it. Thank you. It was, I, every trick I have on guitar when it comes to playing solos, I use in that song. <laughs> My favorite solo that you ever did was when we covered uh, No Scrubs. Oh, that was a good solo too. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, I feel like I could play it better now though. You added in a few different little tricks in there that I, I really liked. You kind of had like a Blink-182 kind of thing mm-hmm. at the end there. Yeah, that with was the, yeah. awesome. Playing the, the harmony chord. Yeah. Yeah, and Ghost in the Machine is one of my favorite songs. Again, it's about being ghosted. I, For some reason, I decided to use two different melodies for the, each verse. I don't know why I did that, but it's just something that came up in my head. Actually, I know why I did that, because the first verse has a very specific melody and rhyme scheme, and I could not think of any more rhymes for that melody. So then I just decided to go completely a new uh, melody for the second verse. It was a surprise to everyone when I first did that in practice. Except for me, I knew it was coming. Yeah, no, this yeah, this I is a very idea. good one. Yeah, the Ghost in the Machine was my favorite song on the album until I wrote I Envy You, but Ghost in the Machine is a is a current second. But now it's fallen out of favor just because we've played Ghost in the Machine so much, never in front of people, just so much in life, <laughs> or at least as of the time of recording this. Are we on the last song? We are on the last song of the album. <laughs> Another Ballad of a Lonesome Loser. There we go. Yes, it is called Another Ballad of a Lonesome Loser. (laughs) Uh, Ballad of a Lonesome Loser uh, being a song by the Little River Band. So this song is about reflecting on a past love in which the narrator looks back on the relationship he was kind of happy to have ended, except for the bridge, which he talks about a relationship that never really started, but the narrator wishes he was hoping it would have. So each verse I talk about uh, you know, a past love, uh, you know, the first girl I ever said, I loved you to the first girl I ever thought I was going to marry. And the first girl I ever did the devil's tango with, uh, not, not specifically in that order, (laughs) the mattress mambo, the mattress mambo, the horizontal cha-cha, the beast with two backs. Oh, (laughs) nice reference. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, so that's, and it's kind of like those were, critical moments in my life, but I'm like, I was, I was kind of happy that those, like those relationships ended for a reason. It was good. But then the, the, originally I meant this to be a short, uh, secret song on the album, but you're adamant about adding another middle eight to yeah, a song. You gotta have, this song needed a middle eight. So I, I bullied, uh, Bobby Westside into putting a middle eight in there. Yeah. So we added the, added the line about Daisy and that's the one where 
I say Daisy, but I'm I'm talking about Penny. Uh, but that's funny enough. The only name that's actually changed on the album. Yep. Even though, even despite what the intro says, that's the only name that was changed. Yeah. Uh, but yes. So, so yeah, it's just a a short song. Not short. It's not short anymore. It's an. It's the only acoustic song on the album. Originally, we were going to record it live, but that didn't end up working. <laughs> no, it did not for a myriad of reasons we don't need to get into yep. on the podcast. If we, yeah, we needed at least more mics and more, uh, more, more area between us to record it properly. Yeah, and probably less gin. <laughs> I, I'm. I was really drunk off gin uh, when we tried to go through it. I am dead serious. Yeah, and I uh, was wrecked off gin. You could hear it in the bass track. Yep, I totally screwed it up. <laughs> First time I'd ever tried to play through it, and I was wrecked. Yeah, and we were playing a little bit faster than the recording. I decided to uh, slow it down by 20 or uh, twenty beats per minute. So it's a little bit more like a slower tempo. But in my mind, this is a secret song on the album. But since we're putting it out on Spotify and Apple Music, there's no such thing as a secret song unless we were going to tack it on to uh, Ghost in the Machine and have like three minutes of empty space between it. So yeah. It's technically a secret song on the album, but is the closing song on the album. Yeah, go us. So I'm going to quiz you guys about everything we just talked about. Just a little quick quiz. So in the song, Hey Ramona, Hey, what is the username of the woman who inspired the song? I have multiple God, choice. said it. Is it Amaranth? Is it Blue Jay? Is it Candy Lion? Or is it Rotten Poppy? Amaranth. What do you, what's Same. your guess? It was Blue Jay. Oh, well, I just remember that one. Hi, Bobby Westside here. Just giving a quick editor's note. I did say at the beginning of the podcast, Amaranth did inspire the idea of the song, but in my mind, I wrote the song about Blue Jay. So technically, both Salvador Wheelie and Roland Torrance were correct. Amaranth did inspire the song. True or false? Another ballad of a lonesome loser. I use fake names for all the girls mentioned in the song. You're using hold real on. Names. Say the say the question again. We got to listen to the call of the question. True or false? In another ballad of a lonesome loser, I use fake names for every girl's name mentioned in the song. False. False. That is false. Yeah, they're except for <laughs> Daisy. They're all real names. I just did you said actually that. say call the question. I did. Oh, you gave me a real bad flashback. <laughs> we'll get in that later. That's a law school reference. Oh, okay. I don't know why either of you guys would know that. Uh, <laughs> what song on the album was written during the recording sessions for Psy Fidelity? No multiple choice on this one. You should know it. What song on the album was written during oh. the recording sessions for Cyphodality? Yeah, no, you said it. Mm-hmm. I know I said it. What yeah, was no, it? We talked about it. <laughs> Please talk to the mic, Roland. I know you're not used to doing that. Uh, oh, you. I feel work like you, on me. Yes, it's yeah, work, work on me. <laughs> yeah. The album title Evil X's and song Hey Ramona Hey are both references to the Scott Pilgrim graphic novel series by Brian Lee O'Malley. What other song is a reference to the Scott Pilgrim franchise? I envy you. Correct. Because that is a that is the title of one that of the chapters chapter. yeah. in the second book and uh, reference to Envy Adams, a character. True or false? Much like Paul McCartney using scrambled eggs as temporary lyrics for yesterday, in order to remember the melody for Ghost in the Machine, I use the words a weed eater. True. You did that. True, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it was true. <laughs> no, I do uh, remember you doing that. I was doing yard work one day at my parents' house, <laughs> and I came up with the melody, Weed Eater, Don't Wanna Be a Believer. And I sang <laughs> that into my phone, and uh, and that's how I came up with Ghost in the Machine. Well, I, I don't know the lyrics to that song, but um, 
when we were toying with the idea of adding a third verse with the two melodies on top of each other. Yeah. I don't know the lyrics, so I, I, the lyrics I used were sometimes it's cheaper to keep her. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's cheaper to keep her. I don't know. I don't uh, know if that's what the actual I did Jeepers is. Creepers one time. Yeah. I, I used Jeepers Creepers in that. See, that's why I ran out of uh, ideas for good rhymes. It's a uh, law streamer listening to repeater, false demeanor, thought I would, uh, thought I would, I don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's on the album. Yeah. yeah. yeah Listen to it in links below. And that's our show, folks. I've been your friendly neighborhood rock star, Bobby Westside. Email any questions you might have at bwvinylandcoffee at gmail.com, and I might read them on the podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at bwvinylandcoffee. Thank you for joining us. Please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Goodbye. Hasta la vista, baby.